When he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. And a certain centurion's servant, or slave, who was dear unto him, was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying, that he, that is the centurion, was worthy that he should do this. For he loveth our nation, and he hath built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, or Rabbi, trouble not yourself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but just speak a word and my servant, my slave, will be healed. For I also am a man set under authority. I have many soldiers under me. And I say to one, Go, and he goeth. I say to another, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turned him about, and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And they that were sent returned to the house, found the servant whole that had been sick. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, who was faithful for over 60 years in teaching the Word of God throughout the Northwest and Canada. Many were blessed by his Bible teaching, and today we invite you to share in those blessings by listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our name, the Unchanging Word, is committed to the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His eternal Word always has been and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This study will look at what Dr. Mitchell terms the commendation of faith and the raising of the dead. Well, first of all, Jesus in Capernaum commends a Gentile Roman soldier, a centurion, he had at least 100 men under his command, and this centurion is seen as having compassion on his slave, and this was very rare. But he was one who was highly regarded by the nation of Israel, and on this basis the Jews were commending him to Jesus, so that the Lord would come and heal this centurion's slave. Now this man had faith in Christ alone. Well, the Lord then goes on to the city of Nain, to raise the son of a widow who had died, thus demonstrating his great compassion for her. And in both cases, Jesus just speaks the word, and it is done. Well, here's Dr. Mitchell, Luke chapter 7, verse 1, on the Unchanging Word, Bible broadcast. We come again with our studies in the Gospel through Luke, and we're starting today in chapter 7. I sincerely hope, and I'm repeating this, because I'm so desirous that everyone who listens in that you read and reread the text of the Gospel through Luke. In some way, may your heart and your mind be filled with the Word of God, and especially that the Lord Jesus Christ may become more and more precious to your heart as you see how he deals with people 
And then remember that we also are the children of God, that we've been joined to our Savior, and that He wants to minister through you and through me to our present generation. Because people are more or less the same today as they were in His day. We may have more gadgets and uh, more technocracy and a few other things, but basically, at heart, uh, there's not much difference. And when we come to chapter 7, we have the manifestation of the faith of a Gentile. It's a wonderful chapter, by the way. We have our Lord in his ministry around Capernaum. Now, Capernaum became our Lord's home during his ministry in Galilee. And so when you come to Capernaum and see what he did there and around the environs of Capernaum, and then remember afterwards when he judged Capernaum, thou who art exalted to heaven have been, will be cast down to hell, because they spurned the one who lived among them. In chapter 6, we were taking up some practical, ethical teachings of our Savior for his own people, not for the world but for his own people. For remember that when you and I accepted the Savior, we became members of his family, indwelt by his Spirit, and with the Word of God in our hands and the Spirit of God to teach us, we ought to be manifesting more and more something of the fragrance and the sweetness, the love and the beauty of our Savior to men. Now let me read from chapter 7 and reading the first, the first 10 verses. Here where you have our Lord in this chapter, uh, commending people, rebuking them, encouraging them, and so on. And in the first 10 verses, we have the story of the centurion and his faith. And here where our Lord really commends faith. I'm going to read it because I want to get the text in your mind. When he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, at chapter 6, he entered into Capernaum. And a certain centurion's servant or slave who was dear unto him, was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying, that he, that is the centurion, was worthy of what he should do, that he should do this. For he loveth our nation, and he hath built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, or Rabbi, trouble not yourself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but just speak a word, and my servant, my slave, will be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, I have many soldiers under me, and I say to one, Go, and he goeth. I say to another, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turned him about, and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And they that were sent returned to the house, found the servant whole that had been made, that had been sick. Now here you have an amazing thing where the Lord marvels at the faith of a Gentile. You know, it's a astounding thing when you read the book. Uh, 
Twice our Lord marveled in his ministry. He marveled here at the faith of a Gentile. And you have it again, by the way, in chapter uh, 15 of Matthew's Gospel. And then you have it where our Lord marveled at the unbelief of his own people in Mark chapter 6, the sixth verse where he performed all his miracles and undertook for things, he marveled at the, un at the unbelief of his own people. And here he marveled at the faith of a Gentile. Now, this is a wonderful little story. Here our Lord heals without seeing or without touching. He just speaks the word. In fact, I would say this is one of his greatest miracles. It's the only place that I know of in the New Testament where a master pleads for his slave. As a rule, people came to Jesus. They were friends or of the family of the one in need. But here is a Gentile, a master, a Roman officer, pleading for his slave. He wasn't pleading for another soldier or one of his family, pleading for one of his slaves. Now, that may not sound very much to you. But if you read the history of Rome and of the way some of these masters treated their slaves, it's terrible, absolutely terrible. But there were those who were generous, who were kind. And here's a man who was a Gentile, and he pleads for his sake. And you notice the simplicity of his faith. The simplicity of his faith. In fact, I would say in this passage, you have the simplicity of faith. In Matthew 15, where you have the other Gentile, you have the tenacity of faith. I'm not going to preach on faith, uh, but I'd like to, to point these things out. I repeat it, in here we have the simplicity of faith. And if I may refresh your memory of Matthew 15, you remember a Canaanite, a Syrophoenician woman came to Jesus and said, Thou son of David, have mercy on me and heal my daughter. She's grievously vexed of a devil. And Jesus apparently ignored her. And the disciples, you remember, came to the Lord and said, You better get rid of this woman. And the only way you'll ever get rid of her is to meet her need. She's bothering us. Oh, how glad I am. We are never a bother to the Lord. If you're in need, I don't care who you are or what you are. If you really need the Lord, he's always waiting for you. He never turned, never, never, never turns anybody away if they mean business. I don't care what your condition. And this side of Phoenician woman, this woman under the curse, this Canaanite, what rights did she have in the son of David? None at all, none at all, none at all. So once she came on that ground, the Lord couldn't do a thing for her. So the disciples, I say, she said, she's a bother, you better get rid of her. And Jesus said, no. I can't take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. I'm sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And she said to the Lord Jesus, True Lord, I'm a dog, I'll take my place. But the dogs have got to be fed, they've got to get the crumbs. Give me some of the crumbs. That's all I want, some of the crumbs, so my daughter was made whole. And Jesus said, Go home, your daughter is made whole. And he marveled at the faith of this Gentile woman. I repeat it, here you have in this story, in Luke chapter 7, the simplicity of faith. The other one, which I've just been relating, 
the tenacity of faith. She's not going to give up. She means business. And that, by the way, we need both of them. We need that simplicity of faith of trusting the Savior. We need that tenacity of faith. We mean business. We mean business. It's the trouble with most of us. We don't mean business. Notice, first of all, the character of this man. This man is a, I say he was kind. I'm repeating it now. He was, a, he was kind, cared for his slave, cared for his slave. And he was healed. The man was healed. That is, the slave was healed, not because the slave had faith. He was healed because of the master's faith. And he was a humble man. The Jews said to Jesus, I wish you'd do something for this fellow. He's been really good to us. He loves our nation. He's business a synagogue. He's worthy. He's worthy that you should heal his servant. But the centurion says, I'm not worthy. You see, he has no ground upon which to plead his cause. He just says, I'm not worthy. And then he said, oh, what simple faith. He said to Jesus, just you speak the word, that's enough. If you have the authority to heal him, you don't need to come to my house and see my slave. Just speak the word. You see, I too have authority. I said to my servant, do this, and he does it. I say to the soldiers under me, go here or go there, and they go. I speak the word, I have authority, I expect obedience. So, I come to you. If you have the authority to heal my slave, just speak the word. You don't need to go and see him. You talk about the simplicity of faith. You remember, it comes to my mind in John chapter 20. After our Lord was raised from the dead, Thomas said to the other disciples, when he was told that Jesus was raised from the dead, he said, I don't believe it. I just don't believe it. Unless I can put my fingers in the holes of his hand and put my hand into his side, I'm not going to believe. And Jesus came and said to Thomas, Thomas, take your finger and put in the holes in my hand. Thomas, take your hand and put it in my side. Be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas cried out, my Lord and my God. Jesus said, you're blessed because you have seen and you've believed because you've seen the evidence. But more blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. All oh, the preciousness, the wonder of simply putting your trust in Jesus Christ. If he has the authority, says this centurion, if you've got the authority to heal, you don't even have to come to my home. In fact, I'm not worthy to have you come to my home. If you've got that kind of authority, you don't need to come to my home. You don't need to see my servant, just speak the word. Oh, Jesus could say in John 6, 63, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and their life. Friend, do you have this faith? And here in verse 9, you have the Lord's commendation. I have not found, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. You know, in Mark chapter 6, verse 6, the Lord said, 
He could do no mighty work there because of their unbelief. He marveled at their unbelief, and he said this in sorrow. Here he said this in admiration. You know, I hope I'm not going to offend you when I say this, but sometimes I wonder if Christians in so-called dark Africa, Southeast Asia, among the pagans of Southeast Asia, if some of these Christians who have never had a Bible and they've just simply heard the message of the Savior and they've put their trust in the Savior, and some of them are manifesting more faith, more simple faith, and those of us here in America who've had the Bible, the gospel all our lives. Is it not true that too many of us take things for granted instead of just believing what God has said? I, I just pass this on to you. I just pass this on to you. It wouldn't surprise me if we have Christians coming from other parts of the world to evangelize America. And one sees the coldness and the indifference and the carnality and the worldliness of professing Christians here, and then see some of these Christians who have suffered for his name's sake, the simplicity, and shall I add the tenacity of their faith in the midst of martyrdom? Oh, what do you and I know about the reality of a simple faith in the Savior? Jesus wondered. And he said, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And sometimes when we read the testimony of some of these Christians in South America, in Africa, in Southeast Asia, India, we're amazed, we're amazed at their simplicity of faith. May God grant to you and to me that simplicity of faith, of daring to believe what God says is true. Even if I may not understand all that he says, he wants me to believe it. Which leads me to, to the next picture we have in chapter 7. And here is the resurrection of a man from the dead. In verses 11 to 18, now remember, he's round Capernaum. It came to pass the day after he had healed the nobleman's son, or the, pardon me, the servant of the centurion, he went into a city called Nain, which is not very far from Capernaum. And many of his disciples went with him, and much people, a great crowd following him. And when he came nigh to the gate of the city of Nain, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother. She was a widow. And much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Weep not. And he came and touched the, he touched the casket. And they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I see unto thee, arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And he delivered him to his mother. And there came a great fear upon all. And they glorified God, saying, That a great prophet is risen up among us, and that God hath visited his people. And this rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea and throughout all the region round about. And the disciples of John showed him all these things. Now, I'm not going to spend much time here, except to mention here you have the raising of the widow's son. And this incident is only found in the gospel through Luke. Remember that the Lord raised three people from the dead. 
In chapter 7 of Luke, he raised the widow's son. In chapter 8 of Luke, he raised the daughter of Jairus. And by the way, both Matthew and Mark speak of the resurrection of the daughter of Jairus. And in John's Gospel, in chapter 11, we have the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead. Only, only John gives to us the resurrection of Lazarus, and only Luke gives to us the resurrection of the widow's son. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke all give to us the resurrection of the daughter of Jairus. Now, you'll notice here, and I'll be very brief, here are two processions. Uh, one procession is leaving the town, and the other procession, led by our Savior, is going toward town, and the two processions meet. One is on the way to the city, the other is on the way to the graveyard. And the Lord Jesus, and you can just see him doing this, it's just like Jesus to do this, he stopped the procession, and he saw this weeping, weeping woman. She was a widow. All her life was wrapped up in her boy. And now he's dead. Her hopes in life, her joys of life have gone. And she's following the body of her son to the grave. And Jesus stopped the procession, saw this dear little mother. And I really had compassion upon her. And he said, weep not. Oh, isn't that just like the Savior? Isn't that just like the Savior? He just stops his whole business. Here's a woman indeed. Here's a woman with a broken heart. Do you think the Lord would turn her down? Do you think he's going to bypass her? Not on your life. Not Jesus. You may. I may. Not Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Not the Savior of sinners. Oh, listen. He just stopped the whole business and he said to the, to the dead boy, Young man, I say unto you, arise. Which reminds me of John chapter 5. You remember it? Verses 28 and 29, when Jesus said, Believe me, the hour is coming when all who are in their graves shall hear the voice of the Son of God. The dead are going to be raised at the voice of the Son of God. And I might again remind you that he never changes his method of raising the dead. He always just speaks the word and it's done. One of these days, the Lord's going to speak again. And his people are going to be raised from the dead, every one of them. And he's going to speak again. And every unsaved person is going to be raised from the dead. The first resurrection is unto life. The second resurrection is unto judgment. And whether you like it or no, my friend, if the Lord tarry, you're going to die. And you say, well, that'll be the end of me. No, 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 no. One of these days, the Lord Jesus is going to speak and the dead are going to be raised, some for life and some for judgment. I repeat it, Jesus just speaks the word and the dead come forth. But I say again, isn't it just like the Savior? He could say in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. Oh, listen, friend, what a Savior we have. What a savior we have. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your circumstances are. Jesus is full of compassion. Jesus can meet your, your need, your personal individual need. Are you in sorrow? He can comfort you. Are you in distress? He can remove your fear. Are you in need? He can meet your need. 
You want to get free from your sin, that burden of sin? He's the Savior of sinners. Why don't you come to him? Just put your trust in him. And he'll give you life. In fact, he could say in John 5, the same passage we quoted a while ago, the hour is coming and now is, now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. They that hear shall live. Those who are dead in sins shall have life. Why don't you come to him? He's waiting with arms outstretched to receive even you if you mean business with him. Do it. Write me a note. The Lord bless you. We trust that your hearts have been blessed and encouraged through the study of God's Word. You may write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. The Unchanging Word. And so until next time, this is The Unchanging Word radio broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.